Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets are heading to Western Canada with their playoff fortunes hanging in the balance, and we'll talk about what they'll have to do while in the Great White North. We'll also discuss a weird week on the ice, talk about who's playing well and maybe who isn't, and we'll wrap up with some of your questions. I am Ryan Riel, and joining us this week, we've got Will Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, what's up? Good to hear from you. And then we've got Eric Seeds. Good evening. Good evening. We, uh, we have a lot to talk about. The Jackets played four games last week, kind of all over the map a little bit, but they are in decent shape for the playoffs. I think some models, depending, have around 75, 80 uh, making the playoffs. Of course, it looks like they'll draw Tampa, which, I mean, whatever at this point, but not ideal. Either way, they played four games, and we talked about on this podcast last week what they'd have to do. We were real worried about those Boston games. And you know what? They, they, they did what they had to do, I think. What do, what do you guys think? I think they did exactly what they needed to do, especially after losing the New York Islanders game on Monday night. Um, they needed to come home and have a big response against Boston after putting up zero goals in on Long Island, and they were able to do that. They uh, Boone Jenner exploded for his first career hat trick. Zach Wierenski finally rediscovered his offensive game uh, with four points on the evening, including throwing the monkey off his back <laughs> into the stands, which is a pretty, pretty, pretty inventive celebration for him. But and then uh, they beat Carolina on Friday night, who they're directly competing with for a playoff spot, which I thought that was a perf- that was a great that was a great week. That was probably the game they had to have last week. So mm-hmm. I'm, I was happy to see them win that game. Yeah, the week was a win. I mean, I was thinking two and two going into it, and I kind of figured those wins might be against the Islanders and Hurricanes and losses against the Bruins. But um, and of course, the Islanders lost to start the week did not set the overall tone for me too well, getting shut out. And, you know, I mean, I, I get it. You're playing a hot goaltender and a really good team, but you got to figure out a way to score a goal. And they did that the next day against the Bruins, which I did not, I don't think anyone would have seen coming. Seven mm-hmm. goals like that. Um, very surprising. And, you know, Boston scored the first goal in that game, and I was like, oh, here we go. But then they tied it and exploded. So that was really awesome to see. Um, and, of course, um, you know, Bobrovsky was fantastic on uh, Friday after the team pretty much disappeared, I guess, after the first 20. 
uh, you know, I think he had 46 saves for a new, um, I want to say a new career high, um, or at least a season high. And, um, yeah, goaltending has been fantastic again, really ever since the, uh, I would say ever since the Winnipeg game when they lost 5-2. Um, it, they've pretty much limited the opposition for the most part. Um, and, of course, uh, getting that point against the Bruins Saturday, I mean, it would have been nice to get the win, but, you know, I even told you guys, get a point. It's a, it's a good week. It's a win. So, um, yeah, good week. Um, and just got to keep going now, going on the West Coast uh, Canadian trip. Yeah, I, I was bummed about the Boston game in the moment. And I think I knew, I think I said to, to y'all, it's like, okay, that was a big point. We got to kind of rejoice in the point, obviously, Marchand scoring that way and celebrating that way, um, which would have been awesome if you were a Boston fan or liked, you know, because I don't, I don't want to be like that, like, because I love, you know, the, the Kuznetsov celebration and I love players doing that. I was so angry in the moment and I get it absolutely was angry as well <laughs> yeah that, that luckily aside, i didn't see it live <laughs> God, our slack was was exploding aside from that going into boston right after the carolina game against that team would a win have been great especially the way the jackets know how to play in overtime of course but getting a point out of that was huge a little little disturbing though that the carolina game and the boston game were kind of Carolina game, obviously, more so, but Boston, for stretches as well, looked like the Jackets were just trying to hold on and and not generating a ton of, of offense, uh, scoring chances and shots. And what, what do you all make of that? Well, I make that the goaltending was outstanding, at least on, I thought, on both nights, Friday and Saturday. Um, to get out, they got outshot 32 to 6 in the second and third periods on Friday night and somehow managed to go. They managed to be plus one in those two periods on the, <laughs> on the scoring sheet. So, I mean, I'll take it. But that's a concerning trend that you never want to see going forward, especially at this time of year. But at this point, I'll take two points, however ugly I can get them. Sure. Um, I'm guessing that game plus the travel and the back-to-back kind of just wore them out. So they, especially going to Boston, a, a heavy offensive team, they, they focus more on their defensive effort and look to just kind of close that game out and make it a low-scoring, low-event game and try and steal two points. It nearly worked, um, but for Brad Marchand in overtime, uh, burying just a great shot. But I thought Jonas Corposalo played quite well on Saturday night. And if you look at the heat map, um, they really kept most chances to the outside of the uh, the crease. They The Jackets played a pretty solid defensive game on Saturday night. I can't really fault them too much for Saturday. Yeah, um, I'm not. I, I think there's probably something to be said about traveling and the back-to-backs uh, potentially being worn out. You know, every game is a playoff game. The cliche, you know, end of the season kind of talk, but it's true. And I mean, of course, you know, Carolina, Boston are good teams. I guess it'd be a little bit more disturbing if this was against you know Ottawa or a team struggling and not going anywhere, and they couldn't put a, put like a full sixty together. But um, agreed about getting a win no matter what no matter how ugly and i think too maybe it's a good thing because i mean last march this team what you know won like 10 in a row was thriving maybe got our hopes up a little bit more than you know was realistic and you know because it just looked it, at least from what i remember it felt too easy sometimes and um i guess if you have to go through those kind of tough, uh, you know, battling through, even though you'd like to see a full effort throughout the entire game, 
knowing that you can at least, I guess, overcome that adversity. Because when it comes to the playoffs, especially whether it's Tampa or whoever, you know it's not going to be easy. So I guess it's nice to know that, you know, even when they're not playing as well as they could, they're still able to get a win. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's something that Torts kind of echoed after the Carolina game, which was as ugly as that was, they won. Got to find a way to win. Got to find a way to win. Right. Better, better to win ugly than lose pretty. Yeah, yeah, very true. I mean, we've seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot of them losing pretty. You know, how many times has Torts said, I thought we played good, good minutes, and then lose 5-4 or whatever. So. And it's, it was funny to watch um, the other night. The Tura- you talk about losing to Ottawa. The, the Toronto fans, that game against Ottawa, um, it was kind of nice to be sitting from a, from a position of, at least we're not that, you know. <laughs> right. Because oh, they, yeah, those fans have to be mad up there. Especially when you know you're going to face Boston in the first round. Something, Will, I didn't have on here, but you touched on it. I don't think anybody's hopes are super high right now, right? You're talking about getting their hopes up. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, speaking from, like, personal experience, I mean, we've been, at least I've been there thinking, oh, you know, like last year even. I thought, you know, throughout the season last year, the team struggled offensively almost all year, and I thought, this team is not a playoff team. Just sell off parts at the deadline or whatever. And then they got super high in March, and I was like, this team is really fun again. And we've been through, at least I've been through that stretch the times this year. But yeah, we've been through it so much that it's like, you know, we're past just getting to the playoffs. So we want to see this team win in the playoffs. And of course, going up, if you're going up against Tampa, that's hard for almost any team at this point. But um, yeah, I'm just kind of taking it day by day. Um, Obviously, when they win, I'm pretty, you know, pretty happy, of course. And when they lose, it's like, well, let's see what they do in the next game. I mean, I, I guess they've kind of at least responded since, you know, the initial uh you know after losing to Pittsburgh that first game um yeah from the deadline and then you know figuring out a way to beat them and beating uh Carolina you know it feels good at least right now and uh hopefully the team can just kind of keep going one day at a time I just wanted to say you know it's it's nice that they've been able to turn it around um here against these Metro opponents I'm kind of I'm not overly optimistic for the playoffs um I think we'll get in but I don't you know have high expectations if we're going up up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know it's a short series, it's hockey, anything can happen, but I'm mostly just enjoying the night-to-night play of each of the players. It's nice to see them kind of meshing well, especially like the Josh Anderson on the line with Ryan Dezingle and Matt Duchesne. That's been a lot of fun to watch lately, so just kind of enjoying the night-to-night games and watching them beat up on Metro opponents. That's That's been fun. That's a good segue to our next topic, which Pale Dragon wrote an article uh, last week about kind of seeing how the new guys were doing, uh, Dezingle, Kincaid, McQuaid, and Duchesne. And since that article was posted, I think, I think, I think things have changed. Duchesne and Dezingle, Anderson, they've found some chemistry with that line. Uh, right now, while we're recording this, Ryan Dezingle is out with an injury. So Alex Winberg, uh, Seeds' favorite, is going to take his place, it looks like, for, for this, at least the first game of this trip. But seeing yeah. those guys together, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seeing those guys together, um, that that was really fun. That was really neat, and it's nice to see because McQuaid has been not great, not great at all. So to see those guys, at least, and uh, he's somehow McQuaid on the did score. Sheet. Yes, yes, he did score a big goal, which now has more goals this season than Alexander Winberg. Okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but. No, it's been it's been nice to see. I think I think Duchesne has at least seriously clicked here. He's he's 
he might have taken some time to get used to playing here, playing with the new guys, making some chemistry. He even said as much and that it took him a while in Toronto or in Ottawa last year. But I think he's I think he's finally finding that chemistry. His individual effort on that goal the other night in uh, Boston was incredible. Yeah. And he's made some like some power moves to keep pucks in at the line. I think he's I think he's been really uh, quite the revelation in the last week or so. Yeah, I would say Duchesne has been really good, obviously. Um, I, I kind of think what it, what's, what's been good about him, um, you know, and there was, a, I think, a tweet earlier today about how he was talking to Winberg during practice, during drills and practice. And I, I, it's obvious that, you know, Duchesne's a veteran. Uh, he's a leader, I think, um, and kind of brings that, obviously, to Columbus at Element, which is always good. Um, yeah, I, I like Duchesne a lot, and... Hopefully, I mean, I'm hoping he is a guy that sticks around beyond this season, but let's not worry about that right now. But um, obviously, I think uh, he was a really good net addition. And yeah, it's unfortunate about the injury with the Zingle. Um, hopefully, you know, he can come back relatively soon. Um, but uh, yeah, Duchesne's been awesome. And with McQuaid, yeah, I was kind of surprised to see him hit the scoreboard. I mean, obviously, you never know. A guy can score a goal put one through at any time, but obviously I wasn't expecting him to uh, be the one to, to do that. Uh, I believe that was Friday night against the Hurricanes. So, yeah, that was nice. And uh, hopefully he can kind of, however long Murray's still going to be out, which at this rate looks like it could be even the rest of the season. Um, hopefully uh, McQuaid can just sort of, if it's just like Duchesne having to just to adjust, which makes a lot of sense, um, hopefully McQuaid can kind of, stabilize a little bit more or you know just do what is basically the bare minimum of what's asked of him and then will you wrote an article about josh anderson i guess we'll just talk about this line the whole time how good he has been and i i i make a habit of watching the opponent's broadcast and to a show every single one of them is all about big josh anderson they love him i think he's i think he appeals to the old-time hockey guys as well as you know, just your standard fan because he's so big and strong, and he scores, and he fights, and he hits. But over the last couple of weeks, I mean, he's been the best Blue Jacket out there. Yeah, I don't know what his like overall ceiling is, but to me, he kind of fits that like you know obvious power forward, but almost like a complete player in the sense that he can score, he is fast, he is big, he's you know tough. Like you said, he's gonna fight, he's going to score. He's been able to score a lot lately, and, you know, it's been awesome because, you know, they were obviously high on him during the, uh, when he was trying to get his, his last contract, and there was a bit of that holdout in the beginning of the season, and it's been nice to see that not only has he, you know, been able to work out in Columbus, but, uh, you know, I think also with Torres, I mean, not to say that there was any friction or would have been any friction, but you just never know with certain players. Certain players seem to thrive under towards. Certain players maybe don't, and that could be coincidental. But it's nice to see that Anderson, I, I feel like he's really matured. And, I was, you know, there was an article before the year about how he wanted more feedback. And towards you know, does that. He kind of gives him, like, a weekly check-in, what you can do, what you know, when he, do, when he does something right or does something well, he tells him that. But then it's like there's still more you can give. And I think Anderson's obviously pushing that next level right now. Um so it's just kind of fun. I mean, if he's a 40-point-plus guy right now, there's no telling what he could do next season or, you know, the season after. Maybe he's a uh, – I don't know. I'm not going to say it's going to be a 30-goal score every year or anything like that, but who knows? Maybe he hits 30 this year. Maybe he's a 50-point guy. It's obviously huge um, to have on your team, especially, you know, going forward, not knowing who's still going to be on the roster. Um, 
So just to kind of have a reliable type of force like that, it's been really good to see. Yeah, he's been Tom Wilson without trying to decapitate anybody. <laughs> exactly. No cheap shots. Just uh, just a just a just a, a grinder. I mean, he's a physical guy, but you know, he, he, I I would say he's he's like the team penalty minutes leader with Dubois, the co-leader. But I mean, it's like fifty-eight minutes. And when I did the previews for all these other games. Um, you know, half the team, it, it seems like half the league has a guy that has 90 penalty minutes or whatever. So Brad Marchand seems has 90 like, penalty minutes. Yeah. Malkin too. It, it just seems like Columbus is more disciplined, I guess is what it's, at least that's what it feels like. To a, Oof, to boy. Columbus to is more disciplined. Can you imagine well, saying that, you know, five <laughs> that's, years that's ago? the thing probably, and they might be, I mean, we'll, we'll shake our head at, you know, some of the penalties that they'll take, but you know, they don't have a lot of big time penalty minute guys. Well, that's true. That's true. And, and, I think it seems this is anecdotal that they've been taking like sometimes you got to take penalties you got to take good penalties and it seems like yep. that they're willing to do that the penalties that they do take I think they earn them you know what I mean like I think PLD and Anderson like you like know, like even Brandon Dubinsky took one I want to say it was against the Islanders where uh, there was someone in front of the in front of the Blue Jackets net and Dubinsky just hauled the guy down because it would have been a goal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know there's there are such things as smart penalties sure. And I like I like Dubois sticking his head in there when you know he's not afraid of anybody. He's the biggest punk on the team, and I love it. Yeah. I love that the Jackets yeah. have a guy like that. Who was it the other? Didn't he want to fight somebody the other night? And they wouldn't. They pulled him off. They it was right in front of the bench. It was the Boston game, right? They stopped like they would not let them fight, which was pretty cool. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, uh, we got some some reader questions, and we're gonna go through these. The first one, one we alluded to earlier from Insomniac. Why are the Jackets struggling with scoring five on five now after doing it reliably for most of the season? I have an answer for this. Um, Artemi Panarin has one goal and uh, six total points since the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of and, disappeared. And two, of, and two of those six came uh, the day after the trade deadline in that Pittsburgh game. So that would be your struggle. When your best playmaker <laughs> isn't producing, it's going to be hard to yeah. score goals. Especially because... Normally, it's like not only your best playmaker, but when your best playmaker is head and shoulders above any playmaker you have or have ever had, um, you really notice when that's not there. I almost wonder if breaking up the PLD Panarin line kind of messed up their um, chemistry a little bit because mm. Dubois hasn't been all that great mm-hmm. since he's been put back on the uh, on that top line. Um He's uh, he's kind of struggled of late. He's he's hit more, but he has no points at all in his last five games. Is uh even rating? Um, Dubois, he's really kind of just struggled to find his game of late. It's uh, it's really been slightly concerning. Dubois doesn't have Dubois doesn't have a point in the month of March. Mm. He's got a total of five points since Valentine's Day. Like Dubois Oof. gonna Dubois has to pick it up here down the stretch. The 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 lack of um, production from Panarin and Dubois seems to be the biggest cause of struggles. So maybe, I was alluding to this earlier, so maybe instead of the Jackets playing red hot like last March and everybody pretty much ticking, maybe this time it's like, okay, we'll get the dirty, or the the hard wins, the, uh, the greasy goals, and like Anderson can kind of do, and turn it on when it matters. I don't know. I mean, it matters now, of course, but... Maybe it's like Dubois due for a breakout. Panarin's obviously, you know, could break out at any time. Um, kind of like Columbus as a team did against the Bruins with the seven goals. When it seemed like they couldn't score one goal at a, at a time. Now, you know, lately at least they've been able to 
get some goals. Um, yeah, obviously Panarin's got to be better. Um, Dubois, like you said, he, I didn't even realize he hadn't had a point in March, and it's crazy since it's March 18th. But, um, yeah, I mean, and that's why Anderson really sticks out right now because he's been pretty much leading the charge, putting the team on his back. And it's nice to know that because, you know, we're so used to this team in the past – you have, you know, one great player or one great scorer, and it's like when he goes down, you're done. And obviously they got they need to turn it on, especially as we go towards the playoffs and into the playoffs potentially. But it's at least nice to know that Jenner and Anderson and guys that are known for the grit, known for they can't put the puck in the net, are able to get the, the secondary scoring right now is, is pretty much the key. And, you know, the, the stars, Panarin, Atkinson, Dubois have been – pretty much helping carry this team throughout the year. And, you know, everybody goes through it, but, it, you know, obviously it'd be nice to pick it up starting tomorrow night. And you're right. It's good that, because we talked about this earlier in the year where it would seem like the Jackets would get really uneven performances where the goaltending would show up, but then nothing else, or the defense would, would play really well. And then now you're getting that, but you're getting that secondary and tertiary scoring. I mean, Boone Jenner scored a freaking hat trick. You're getting that, and you're able to win some games and stay in the playoff hunt. So theoretically, yeah. everybody gets to, you know, and this is this is what we always say every year, but everybody gets hot at the right time. Everybody starts clicking. You know, who knows what can happen. But right. part of that, I think, is coaching, which brings us to our next question, which from Steinerman, is Torts an above-average or below-average coach, meaning is he one of the 15 best coaches in the NHL? What's his war number? Which free agent coaches would be better than him? And how do you reach that conclusion? And then another commenter who had a lot of great things that we're definitely going to answer later on down the road in a few weeks or maybe the offseason. Provo had Seattle Heart. Is Torch the right coach for that team? So I think all of those kind of coalesce into to that one question. Is John Tortorella the right coach for this team right now? Um, Go ahead, Seeds. No. <laughs> um, I, don't, I do not think John Tortorella is the coach for this team right now as currently constructed from trade deadline day to right now. I do not... Th I look at what a coach like John Cooper mm -hmm. down in Tampa is doing. Um, I think there are certain coaches in the NHL or maybe in the college ranks. We've seen how, despite a kind of a depleted, a lesser roster, um, the, uh, the guy's name escapes me, but the guy down in Dallas is making some noise with that roster. And he's getting, you know, he after shooting slumps for Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, Dallas has started, to has started to turn it around. I think there are ways coaches can utilize skilled players with any system to put them in the best, best um, position to score goals, create offense, and win games. And I do not think that John Tortorella at this current moment is the coach to do that with the amount of skill players that the blue jackets have in the top nine of this roster. So I like Torts and I've been a defender of him, but obviously even I had to like question certain elements of, you know, strategy where you're down a goal late in the game and Dubois and your top line are not playing or, you know, I get, I get playing the hot hand in a game, but when you have to win a game and you need a score, who do you think is going to get that goal? Panarin or, you know, the fourth line, for instance. I don't care if Panarin hasn't had a goal in 15 games. I mean, he's a game breaker. He's going to bust out before it's said and done. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly, you know, I get the quote-unquote unquote teaching moments, but, like, you know, that's 
if that's going to happen in a game, it's probably going to happen in October, November, not April or May or March. But um, I do like Torts. I, I think he was the right coach as far as helping turn around the team and helping sustain a new culture, which they've done. But I don't know, and I have wondered since the deadline and what the struggles initially, whether it was just chemistry with the players trying to get adapted to each other or what. I did wonder if maybe he doesn't quite know how to utilize the specific skill that Duchesne and certain guys bring and, you know, kind of wondering about the minutes. Like, why is a guy like Zingle playing 12 minutes a game when that's exactly what DeClaire was doing and, you know, something like that. But um, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like he was the perfect coach as far as where the team was when they were in this, you know, kind of transition uh, trying to become a winner. I don't think he's the guy that's necessarily to, to – take them to the next, you know, over the top or whatever. But um, I, at the same time, you know, I don't know who the next – I don't know who the, the, the replacement would be. Um, I know Guy Boucher in Ottawa was a candidate a couple of years ago before I think he went to Ottawa. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's a potential – who knows. I know they resigned towards before the year, and, of course, anything could happen. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of in a still wait-and-see, I guess, approach. But I'm kind of warming up to the idea that maybe – you know, a new coach in the future, not too distant future, would be the right thing. But with that said, if this team loses everybody free agent wise and they're back to being basically a team trying to regain an identity, uh, young players carrying the team, it's going to be like, well, they're going to need that veteran coach in a way. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, I guess, to see how it unfolds going forward. Right. I don't disagree with that. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm totally bagging on Torts. I thought he was the right hire at the time, um, especially coming off the Todd Richards experience where the team seemed to struggle. There was that rumored culture club mentality um, or country club mentality. Yeah, the Boy George culture club mentality. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think Torts was the uh, – I think he was the right coach at the time, and he could be the right coach next season if – if Duchesne and Dezingle leave, I'm just kind of mentally assuming the two Russians are gone. But if Duchesne and Dezingle leave, then they then they probably could use a John Tortorella around the locker room as kind of like that stabilizing influence. But if yeah. Duchesne and Dezingle stay, um, I kind of question if Torts would be the right guy for the roster. Um, right. When they signed him to an, his extension, I think he's only got one year left after this year, so I maybe just kind of let next yeah. year play out and see what happens. If... As far as free agent coaches go, I don't truly know anyone who's out there who could be a great improvement other than Joel Quinville, mm-hmm. which if he wanted to come here, I would throw the checkbook at him. Yeah. But but other than that, I think Torts, he's fine. I wouldn't say, I don't know if he's an above average coach. I think I'd put him smack around 15, 16 in the NHL. He's fine. There are certainly guys who are worse. We've seen guys who are worse looking at, Patrick Waugh out in Colorado when he was out there. But um and we've seen worse coaches here, but I think Torts is fine. He might be okay for the roster next season, depending on how it's constructed, but I just as of with the caveat that as of how it was constructed from trade deadline day on, I do not think Torts is the ro- is the coach for this roster. Get Hitchcock back. Get Chris Russell back. And we're in business. That's what I'm we, saying. We, we could be the Edmonton Oilers. Hey. Uh, <laughs> At least we're not the Oilers. God, if the Jackets lose to the Oilers... Okay, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We've got one last question from PJ014. Seeds, it's your favorite guy. Elvis has supposedly signed to come over this year. Do you think he might get a call up or only stay in the AHL? And of course, we're talking about goalie Elvis Merzlikens. I think Elvis stays in the AHL this year, much as I would like to see him here. But um, he needs playing time to acclimate to the North American ice, and he's not going to see ice time in Columbus Um especially now that we have three goalies on the roster every night. There's just, there's just no way he comes up here. It, um, there, there have been comments from the goaltending coaches that it's hard to manage three goalies on the, on the roster right now. So there's just no way for um, Merzlings to come up and just ride the bench, sit in the press box, and then get 30 minutes of practice when he could be practicing and playing in the AHL. I think it would be more beneficial for him to stay down there. Now, if Cleveland misses the playoffs and Columbus makes it and is still playing, then could he be a black ace and come up and just do practice and watch the Stanley Cup playoffs? Sure, but I don't think he sees any ice time here. Yeah, I would just have him in Cleveland. Um, you know, just having him over here in Cleveland with uh, you know in North America with the with his you know potential teammates next season, of course. I mean, or. Uh, However, that will play out. We'll see. But um, as far as just getting over here, that's the main thing. Just kind of getting uh, acclimated to uh, North America, the, the monsters, the organization a little bit more. Um, in like, you know, if, if I know and it's not fair to necessarily compare Keith Kincaid to Elvis, but I mean, I don't think Kincaid's ever going to get into a game. So I, I think it's for Elvis's sake, it would be better to just be in. Uh, stay in the AHL. Um, yeah, if, there, if the time comes where Cleveland is done and Columbus is still playing, yeah, maybe he is in practice. And it certainly wouldn't, I don't think it would be a bad thing if he could kind of be around the veterans, whether it's Bobrovsky, Kincaid, whoever, Corpusalo, other players on the team as far as just getting to know them. I don't know how much he knows them if, if he does at all. Um, but yeah, even just getting into a practice couldn't hurt. But for the most part, keep him in Cleveland. I'm going to love the first time he clashes with Torts on something. Because um, you know it's coming. I can't wait to, to see all of that happen. I also can't wait, for real though, to read about Elvis coming up from Elaine Shercliffe on, on our site, JacketsCanon.com. She covers the Monsters really well. She's going to be on next week's episode to talk about the Monsters as they try and make the playoffs their own. Elvis is coming. That's like something fun and exciting after the trade deadline when normally those things don't really happen off the ice um this week it's a big week for the blue jackets i know we say that every week because every week is a big week but calgary edmonton vancouver with a lot of space in between calgary on tuesday edmonton on thursday vancouver on sunday guys what's it going to take this week what do they need out of these three games honestly i'm looking at three wins um, Calgary's, Calgary's offense has been steady for much of the season, but their goaltending has absolutely fallen apart of late. Go figure. You probably shouldn't count on Mike Smith first long stretches of the season. Um, Edmonton, despite dump trucking us at home, uh, <laughs> after the trade deadline, we owe them a little bit of payback and they're going nowhere fast this season. 
So we should probably beat Edmonton. And then we go to Vancouver, who, despite having the presumptive rookie of the year this year in Elias Pettersson, don't really have much else. So I don't really see any reason the Jackets shouldn't come away with at least five points out of this week, depending on how you feel about the Calgary game. But I think three wins is within the realm of possibility here. Um, yeah, obviously Calgary is trying to win their division for the first time in quite a while. I believe since 2005, if that's right, which is crazy to think, but, uh, uh, cause it seems like Calgary's done it more, a little, a little bit more than that. But, uh, anyway, they're trying to get the West number one spot. They might not, they're only up, I think by a point right now, but, uh, Calgary is a good team. I was looking at David Riddich, their goaltender, who's kind of stole the, stole the, uh, show, I guess, from Mike Smith a little bit. He's won his last three games. He has given up eight goals over those three games. The last game was um, a one goal against the uh, the Rangers, and he gave up four against the Devils, three against Vegas. So, you know, there, there were wins. He lost a few before that. He can get lit up because he's had a couple of six-goal clunkers as well over the last uh, several games, I guess. So, I mean, I don't know who they're going to throw tomorrow night. Um, it would be nice to kind of get that back after the 9-6 show. I mean, just that weird 9-6 game back in December. Columbus gave that one away up, you know, four to one, and they just, just, I don't know what happened. Every single thing down the ice for Calgary was just going in. Um, so that would be a nice win if they can get it. Edmonton has to be a win. I mean, the fact that that team, I know they got one line that can do whatever they want, but it's one line, and Edmonton is not a good team. And after the way they manhandled Columbus in their own building, the Jackets do owe them some payback. Um, and it, it, with Vancouver, um, I, I it, it, you would think that that should be a good opportunity for Columbus to get two points. I'm going to look at at least uh, four out of six just because I don't expect three in a row. It'll be nice. But, um, yeah, and, of course, if, this two, if the win comes against Calgary and they lose to Edmonton and beat Vancouver, in the moment it'll be annoying to lose to a team like Edmonton just because you'd think they'd be able to they should be able to take care of them. But at the end of the day, if they get four out of six – depending on how the standings are of course looking with everybody else um i'll probably take that but yeah um hopefully set the tone tomorrow night i don't know what's up with felino um with this personal you know the issues that he's got going on obviously right now but hopefully columbus can kind of just rally around the moment the situation that the team is in and just keep going and hey we're on the road this week so we should be just fine that's true although calgary's a really, a really good home team but yeah columbus on the road is good and I think, Will, you said it last week maybe that, that this could be a good chance now that, you know, they have three road games on the other side of the, well, I was going to say the other side of the country, the other side of the continent, I suppose, and, and kind of get these guys together. You know, you got, these, you got the new blood, you got the guys who are pushing for, for ice time, trying to make the playoffs, get everybody together away from families, away from, you know, home ice, and just buckle down and win some games on the road. I think, I think Will, you said that, and I really like that idea. I hope that happens. Yeah. I, I yeah. hope that, uh, I hope that the Jackets can, because Western Canada used to be really scary. It used to be super scary to have this trip at this time of the year. But now, I mean, this is what you play for. They have to win some of these games. And I believe they did sweep them last year. I think that was part of that winning streak last year. So, and I yes, think they've done that a few times. They've done that a few times in their existence. Um, I'm not going to expect a sweep, but it's, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. They just got to take care of business tomorrow night against Calgary. Again, one day at a time. But 
I mean, right now they're playing pretty well, so we'll see how it goes. All right, it is time for final thoughts. Will, do you have a final thought this week? Yeah, um, I say this every week, but just take care of business one day at a time. Beat Calgary. They are a playoff team. Um, they're going to bring that intensity. Beat the Flames. Uh, and beat, beat Edmonton just because. I mean, you shouldn't lose to, a, to Edmonton right now at this point of the year. Um, you, you're the better team. Take care of business. You know, try to get at least four out of six points or five out of six. Um, yeah, just, just you know, do what you did last week. Get Keep that goaltending going. Get some goals like you did. Maybe not seven, but try to get four or five goals or whatever in a game and uh, just try to get keep clicking a little bit more. Amen. Seeds, your final thought. Yeah, pretty much what Will said. Um, win the games you should win. Uh, the goaltending has been st- uh, solid of late. With the, with the large breaks this week, I expect to see Sergei Bobrovsky in all three games, and he's yeah. been pretty solid of late, so... Um, Play, play some uh, solid defense in front of Sergei Bobrovsky, score some goals, let's win some hockey games, and see where we stand next Monday. I would just love to not have to check three different websites every morning to figure out whether I'm supposed to be happy or not. I would just love to be like, oh, yeah, no, they're in. I don't have to worry about this. And, and, and only worry about, like, who are they going to play? None of this, like, oh, Montreal lost a two-point game to, you know, like, none of that. I just, so... For my sake, if they could do these games, win these games late at night while um, half of us are asleep, that would be that would be cool. I would love that. Agreed. So. <laughs> All right, that'll just about do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Check them out at angelapurley.com. The Canon Cast is now on iTunes and, as of last week, Google Play. So check us out wherever you like to get your podcasts. And we're working on some more big news, so stay tuned for that. And as always, we welcome your comments and questions and feedback. You can tweet at us at CBJCanon and comment on jacketscanon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.